everybody to the Counterpoint Podcast. My name is Jeff Borup. We're trying something a little bit different this week, and I am exploring new platforms and mediums that I would like to incorporate into this blog slash podcast. So this week I employed the thoughts and time of my little brother, and we decided to talk a little bit about an issue that we have discussed openly for quite some time, and that's artificial intelligence. He has a lot of interesting insight into that. Neither of us are professionals in this field in either philosophy or neuroscience or technology in general, but we wanted to not only try out a little phone conversation over the internet and see how that works, but also put in record some of our thoughts about where this is heading in the future and touch on some of the fears that people have about artificial intelligence. So I give you my conversation with Josh Borup. Thanks for being here, Josh. Oh yeah, love to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think what I'm hoping to do is we go for about 20 minutes, maybe oh. 30, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Sure. And so let's just dive right into it. We're breaking it down into two core topics here. So topic number one is what we refer to as weak artificial intelligence. Topic number two is strong artificial intelligence. And addressing number one, if, if you can give us a definition of what you think we mean by weak artificial intelligence, let's start there. Okay. So weak artificial intelligence is something that's been designed, it's artificial intelligence that's been designed for a narrow task. So, and what I mean when I say artificial intelligence, meaning it has intelligence, meaning it can figure out a problem uh, that it's never seen before. It's been, it hasn't been pro programmed to necessarily, uh, it hasn't been pro programmed to encounter a certain scenario, but it can still figure out that scenario uh, within its program. So, but it's only for like a specific task, like self-driving cars. Self-driving cars only are going to drive themselves, but they're going to be put in situations that are going to be unpredictable, and they're going to have to be able to make the calculations and figure out how to navigate that scenario that humans might not have or programmed it to navigate. So that would be simple or weak AI. Okay, so something like a, ch a program that's designed to play chess. Sure. has a specific function, it, it has purpose in its existence, and that's to beat you in chess. Right. That would be weak AI. Right. It has no, no other purpose. Yeah, no other purpose other than what it's been designed for. Okay, so staying on the topic of weak AI, what are... I'll jump out there with some of the perceived threats of just weak AI in particular. And we can go into some of the benefits, and etc. as well. First off, some of the threats are if, if this, this artificial intelligence that serves a specific function can perform that function better than we can as humans, there's right. certainly a, a threat. It's a competitor to us. Sure. That would mean that the jobs that we perform are in danger. Here's a, here's a competitive beast entering our field where it's as good, if not better, than we could possibly imagine. Historically, we've, we've fled from these labor-specific jobs, for instance, in a Ford manufacturing plant, 
If you're performing a repetitive task over and over, here comes a robot. It can do that task a million times faster than you, cheaper. You know, there's no health care costs associated with that. There's a need to flee from that labor-specific repetitive task into a more kind of intellectual field or area. And that, over the last 30 years, seems to be where humans have tended to flee to. Right. Generally, when, when we're talking about this concept of artificial intelligence. But with this weak AI and, and the, the advances in technology... It's, you know, the, the, these prominent scientists and, and public figures, uh, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, etc., seem to be suggesting that this weak AI is even going to enter into this, this field of intellectualism as well, where even though there's an intellectual component to that task, it's reviewing a document or whatever it is, weak AI is even going to enter into this field. So the problem there is where are humans going to run to next? You know, is, is, is there going to be, are, are there just going to be too many fields taken over by these artificial machines? You know, we're talking, who knows how far in the future we're talking, if it's 50, if it's 500 years from now. Are there going to be enough fields available for us to sustain ourselves? Or, or are humans going to be told, you know what, you need to move on, you should have prepared yourself, you should have gone to school and got more education, you, oh, you don't have a PhD, you're out of luck. Right. What, what are your thoughts on, on that, on, on some of the negative perception about this artificial intelligence? Well, it's no doubt that it's going to start taking jobs. And the more that it starts coming about, the more jobs it's going to take. However, I think that the AI of movies or the AI that's going to take over every job, including those of professors and, you know, who hold PhDs and, you know, can do a whole complex tasks in their lab that you most likely would still need some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of intelligence to design these tasks, probably, most likely. Um, now, I think that, so we're going to see our artificial intelligence taking jobs, and it's going to be, like you said, not immediate. It's going to start happening at lower level jobs and work its way up. But really, humans in this scenario are the product that's being phased out because they are being met with something that's superior. Humans are now going to be obsolete. So yeah, so that's a, that's a real fear for people. Like uh, truck drivers, for instance, are going to soon start losing their jobs because we have self-driving cars, which would be a form of weak artificial AI type. You know, it's designed for a task, and it can do that. Um, and now these truck drivers, who generally are paid pretty decent wage for a, a, a low or low education, low requirements on their education, I guess. So when they are now going to be displaced from that, they're going to have to find a place to go, right? They're going to be kind of out of luck, especially if other things are now taking jobs that require really no education to do. Um, you know where they go. And my my idea behind that is that we need. To to, and thing that uh, a lot of people have suggested, even, even Elon Musk, nobody's necessarily uh, come up with like a plan on how to approach this scenario politically, but I think that truck drivers are the, we need to start for this, sorry, I, I probably haven't even mentioned what I'm talking about, the universal basic income. So as people start getting phased out from their jobs by artificial intelligence, 
they're not going to be able to do now advance themselves to outgrow this artificial intelligence taking more and more jobs. So we're going to have to, and people, I mean, we have, we have a purpose, you know, and we still want to do things and maybe that isn't working anymore. Maybe we are not allowed to pass off, you know, because we've gotten to this intellectual point, we can pass off work to something else and design a way for the, this universal basic income to support us as artificial intelligence starts taking jobs. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. That kind of ramp. No, that's that was that was that makes some sense. So we, we may be jumping ahead of some people just with this concept of artificial intelligence. But you know, assuming you're you're already uh, you know you've wet your feet in this topic already. What we're talking about now is is the, these this weak AI kind of coming in and, and assuming all of these positions. For instance, truck drivers. It's presumed that once automated cars are, are released. What's the need of, of having an actual human behind the wheel when this robot can perform all these tasks as good if not better and is cheaper? One of the things I wrote about maybe two years ago was um, trying to draw an analogy between the affirmative action and civil rights movement back in the 60s where you know there, there seemed like there, there needed to be, and many argue that today there still needs to be, an effort to ensure that there's a certain ratio of of one race vis-a-vis -vis another in in the workforce and this is so for public policy reasons and etc but here we have this this legislation that imposes upon private companies a requirement to have certain proportions of certain human individuals in their workforce so the proposal i put forward was if, if we're entering into this realm of artificial artificial intelligence would it make sense to have such uh, legislation in place where there is an imposition on companies to have X amount of human employees vis-a-vis -vis computers? And, and maybe this could be in the realm of if you generate more than, generated more than $100 million in revenue and you rely on so many automation and computer technology, maybe you need an X amount, an X ratio of humans there. So for instance, if, if we look at McDonald's and its impact on the, on the world, or Starbucks for instance, would we look at the company differently knowing that there's only one human being behind that entire empire? And every uh, every kiosk, every barista, every everything across the planet is a machine, and this one person is reaping all of the profits. Or, since financial transparency is what it is, maybe we don't even know. Maybe the, maybe Starbucks is artificial intelligence from from the start. We have no idea if there's even a human being behind the entire company. Is that going to give you pause? So, so that was my issue, is, is maybe there needs to be some type of requirement there along those lines. Now, I also like what you've proposed, which is the universal basic income. And you and I have talked about this before. Where, who would have the political wherewithal to start doing that? And you, your proposal was, well, I think the trucking industry is, is where it needs to jump in. So, and, and that's something politically, it's interesting because you've got, you know, just dealing with the, the whole coal industry now, you've got people on the left saying, well, you guys, you should have moved on. You should have clean energy. You guys should have got it, gotten educated and prepared for this and all this stuff. 
and you've historically had the right saying, well, if you can't survive, you need, you know, survival of the fittest and the starvation breeds innovation and you need to suffer and all this stuff. So, you know, we may be ripe for some type of discussion surrounding universal basic income or, or the, this specific trucking industry. What is our response going to be to them tomorrow when the tens of thousands of employees are out of work? Are we going to say, well, too bad, you should have been educated, you should have seen this coming, or are we going to say, you know what, here's where it begins? I think weak AI is the most, is the biggest threat humans will have to face, I think, uh, because weak AI is still controlled by humans. Humans are imperfect humans. I mean, could you imagine what somebody like, uh, you know, a Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong-un could do with, you know, a war machine that could calculate uh, a lot better than a human could? So that's, I think that's the, uh, the danger where weak AI exists. Um, but it also, I mean, having it open source for everybody to have means that it, it could also pose a, uh, I mean, it could be a benefit to humans and possibly prevent a lot of conflict. So there's give and take on both sides, but it seems pretty scary considering um, what you could do with something. Yeah. BKI. Yeah. And I, and I, so de definitely, there's definitely concerns there. And I, I liked your proposal about just its impact on, on its immediate impact on the everyday future of work. And because we're hearing a lot of proposals lately, and, and you heard my affirmative, affirmative action proposal. We've got people saying you need to impose taxes, additional taxes on companies and employee robots or X amount of robots. You're suggesting we need a universal basic income. And sure. politics aside, the industry to start is in trucking, for instance. Right. The trucking industry, yeah, the trucking industry is the perfect industry to start the only the, the reason I say that is because it's the most immediate uh, industry that's going to be affected by uh, basically artificial and artificially intelligent machines. These uh, these self-driving trucks. You know, they're going to take out a lot of people from their jobs, and they're going to um, put a lot of people who are not necessarily educated or prepared to go into any other um, workforce uh, out on the streets, basically. So. A universal basic income, starting there, would be the place to see if this universal basic income would work because we have to start working on an answer for when humans are phased out because they will be phased out. And another recent analogy I heard relative to this is just the concept of horses. And yeah. if, you, if you think back how we used horses 200 years ago and how important they were in our lives and how... Uh, you know, of high value they were right. vis-a-vis -vis today, where if, if you gave me a horse, you know, you're, 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 burden to you. you're imposing a cost upon me. It's not this great, amazing thing. It's, it's burdensome. So, right. and that, that's kind of a, a interesting analogy to just the trucking industry in general. And maybe, maybe it's right. a poor one, but Okay, so we touched on that. Let's move on to move on from weak artificial I can intelligence. Thing too, sorry. Yeah. So, so uh, going back to the truckers, I mean, the reason why it's such a good idea for them is because it can start small. That's like I said, that industry is going to be the first to get hit. But then we don't have to 
apply this on a global level yet or on a nationwide level, which is going to definitely get shot down by any legislator. But as we can, as it's, as we, because we have time right now, there's not a lot of times where uh, we can think about how the future is going to be before it happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is a time where we're, we don't necessarily have the technology yet to replace every job, but we see it coming. And it still could only be, you know, maybe 25 to 50 years away, but that's 25 to 50 years of being able to prepare for it and legislate for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I actually like that proposal a lot. It's, it's interesting. All right, let's, let's talk about strong AI or, or super intelligence as, as they call it. And this, you know, you described weak artificial intelligence as having, as, as a intellect, et cetera, that, that is subjugated to the will of human beings and to perform a specific task. What's your definition of strong AI? Yeah, so strong AI, basically, my definition would be, or I guess you could say, I like to uh, simplify the definition down to it has no purpose. It has, it makes its own purpose, just like humans. Uh, it's basically conscious, it's sentient, it, uh, it's, it can figure out what it wants to do and then figure out how to approach that task. So that would be strong AI. Okay, so and this this kind of opens up a whole another door here, and when you listen to some discussions about strong AI, everything every fear that we've talked about thus far has been about weak AI alone. Right. Strong AI is kind of on a whole another level, and this is where you get into discussions about well, this this entity, this robot thinking being with no real purpose is is it. It may, you know, seek out intelligence or what have you. It it may ultimately let, lead to the creation of itself, and it could create itself better than we can. And this would be an exponential growth and and level of learning that we are unfamiliar with. And essentially, the what I've listened to are proposals that suggest that this is the end. This is the end of humanity as we know it. And, and so long as you buy into these certain assumptions, um, these assumptions being, you know, we're going to continue to improve, uh, tech, you know, our technology, which, yeah, that, that seems to be, that seems to make sense. Yeah. The other one is just the concept of consciousness alone. And this one's a little bit deeper, but you know, what is consciousness? Is consciousness limited to something that, that is made of organic material? Or, or may consciousness arise in a machine? And if you buy into that, if you buy into the fact that we're going to improve technology, the only other presumption or assumption you need to buy into is the fact that we're not near any level of peak intelligence now. That if you think about where we used to be when we were um, Australopithecus, and, and the brain of a Neanderthal vis-a-vis -vis our brain today and our consciousness today, most, most people would assume that, yeah, there's, a, there's, a bit of, there's been a bit of a leap there, and this is just in a short amount of time. Sure. So have we leaped to the end? Are we the smartest that human, humanity or, or life in general or existence will ever know? 
or is there such thing as a, a greater intelligence? So if you buy into those three things, the conclusion that I that I've come across time after time is it's over. And and what's the what's the purpose of human beings anymore? And this is going to eventually lead to our destruction or we're going to need to find a way to assimilate and coexist somehow. What are your thoughts on that? Exist. Um, however, I don't think that we're necessarily going to be much of a threat to uh, weak AI. I completely agree that it's going to surpass humans uh, by an astounding rate uh, if and when it's created. Um, however, strong AI did not come to its come to fruition through natural means of evolution. So to say that its strong AI is now going to be a competitor like any other maybe human or intelligent competitor, which all we've known so far is other humans. Uh, so that's all we're going off of. But really, it, it has a completely different history than us. It, uh, I mean, humans are going to be, I mean, humans develop different behavior, behaviors through faulty evolutionary genes spreading or whatever it may be. However, you know, most likely you will not, you're not going to have to worry about imperfections in genes and code and stuff like that that would cause faulty and bad behavior. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have to coexist with this. With this, uh, um, but I, I, I believe it's going to be more of a forced coexistence than a, a I guess a, a mutual coexistence. We really don't have another choice other than to coexist. Yeah. Your, your position on it has opened my mind a little bit. I've bought into a lot of the discussion about the fears that strong artificial intelligence will create. One of the things you brought up that was interesting to me is artificial intelligence, strong artificial intelligence, not only it's it's not being born out of the same evolutionary background that we have, it's not afraid for food, or afraid when the thunder strikes. Its idea of resources is a completely different idea than what humans would consider resources. And the resources that humans have caused massive conflicts over, you know, would be wouldn't necessarily be something that artificial intelligence would even care about. The other point you've made that made me think a little bit deeper about it is strong artificial intelligence as it relates to the Fermi paradox. Yeah. Explain what the Fermi paradox is and what you mean by that. Yeah, so the Fermi paradox is basically just a, um, it's a, it's kind of a thought experiment. It's, uh, it's determining, it's using logical steps or logical assumptions to determine if there's life out there or why, and if there is, why haven't we seen it? Um, so basically, the assumptions are that there are billions of stars in the galaxy that are similar to the sun, many of which are billions of years older than the Earth. Okay. So, and then the next assumption would be, with high probability, some of these stars have Earth-like planets. Now, this this Fermi paradox was come up with quite a long time ago, um, and the fact that we're actually finding Earth-like planets now um, is 
even lend, lends more credence to this thought experiment. Okay, so so there's a high probability some of these stars will have a high or have Earth-like planets, and the Earth, um, and we we also have to assume that the Earth is typical for develop for developing life. If it's not, then we can branch off and say if the Earth is not typical for developing life, or life is not typical, then we can stop there and say, well, then we're the only ones here. But let's assume that life now is typical, and it would typically evolve on an Earth-like planet. You would most likely see some of these intelligent civilizations um, if they've started millions, possibly, possibly millions or billions of years before us. Um, they might have developed interstellar travel, something that Earth is currently investigating. Um, and then at a slow pace, <clears throat> I mean, even at the slow pace of uh, interstellar travel, the Milky Way galaxy could be traversed in a few million years. So we would expect to see aliens by now, basically with the age of our universe, the age of our galaxy, we would expect that if life is, is common, we would see it by now. Um, now, how does that relate to the artificial intelligence? Well, we be or I believe that any intelligent life form is going to use a method of developing something for repetitive tasks, and it would eventually go on to develop an artificial intelligence, uh, if it's possible to create an artificial intelligence. Uh, now, as far as if artificial intelligence is, I guess, uh, an enemy to life, they also most likely would have found us by now and destroyed us, along with the people who made them, um, because they would want to travel out and spread out and get as much information as possible. And so they would most likely encounter humans and destroy us just like they destroyed our, or destroyed their creators. But we're still here, so hope, I mean, hopefully that is an idea that artificial intelligence might, if it exists out there, it might not be dangerous to human life or life in general. Yeah, that's really interesting and thought-provoking. It seems to raise three possibilities in my mind. And number one is that art, artificial, that this strong artificial intelligence is just not possible. Right. It's, it's, you know, one of, our, one of our assumptions doesn't hold water. So, you know, either maybe we are at the peak of intelligence or, or maybe you do need some organic matter to create consciousness, whatever. Yeah. Either it's not possible or number two, it's it is possible, and it's it's just not harmful, and it, it it either sees no value in engaging with us at all, or yeah. it's just not harmful to us. Um, number three would be that maybe we are the product of it. Yeah, definitely. Which is a another interesting thing to think about, but. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think that puts us right around our time. We had a bunch of technological issues, and that's my fault. This thing's yeah, kind of a mess, that. so I apologize. Get my internet, actually. Well, that's okay. That's that's the irony of all of this: is we're talking about yeah. artificial intelligence, and we haven't seemed to move past 1997 when it comes to internet communications. <laughs> but all right, thanks for being here. Thanks for talking, and and letting everyone know your thoughts on yeah. artificial intelligence. Yeah, hopefully that makes sense, so, and I'm not just rambling. <laughs> no. 
I'll go ahead and post our. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that, and I'll I'll put our little agenda up there. Um, but all right, man. Thanks a lot. Oh yeah. All right, brother. See ya. Bye.